Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. How you doing, Amanda? You sound a little um, little froggy. I am a little under the weather. I'm telling you, you know what? I My kids' schedules, since they've gotten older, it just doesn't provide me with enough sleep. And I've oh. been three times this, you know, like in, the, in this calendar year. So I'm feeling frustrated. We're on week two of the school year and I'm sick already. So I know. Um, I know. Yeah. I- Oh my goodness! Yeah, because that last time you were really—I mean—you could barely talk. So. I am. I know. Uh, like I'm, I'm a little bit over this. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, and you had lack of sleep recently that was self-imposed. Tell us about the hood to coast. Yes, yes, that was fun. Lack of sleep. Um, yeah, it was. It, it, you know, I went into it, you know, excited about it, but a little bit apprehensive because I'd never done one of these, and um, it so far exceeded my expectations it was oh, so much fun so much fun so um you know i mean i think it exceeded my expectations um in terms of what my body could do physically and it surprised me you know just that i could be having fun in a sleep deprived state and you know, <laughs> like, my favorite moment was the middle of the night sitting in a van across from my one friend and just giggling out of control i mean everything was funny to us and um oh oh my gosh that is that is the hallmark of a relay race is that like things at you know 1 54 a.m are hilarious that at 1 54 p.m you'd be like (laughs) 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 yes yes oh my goodness and so okay so you're being also very modest uh, your master's women's team came in. We actually ended up third in the master's division. And we were, when we, we they don't break it out by female teams, but we went ahead and like inserted ourselves into there. Of like course. where would we be in the open? And we were 10th overall. So <gasps> we were pretty happy with that because we were That's 11 amazing. people. We yeah. were 11 people, not 12. So three of us, including myself, had to run four legs. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, and we're old, you know, so we were happy with that. <laughs> You're not old. You're, you're advanced maternal age. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Yeah. So how did, so um, what was your total tally for mileage? You seeing that you had to run an extra leg? Um, I was right around 19. Um, oh. I think um, there were maybe two or three other women who were slightly higher, like 20, 21, mm-hmm. 22, maybe the highest mileage. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, I loved my legs. Like I, if I could have 
picked my legs. I, I, I had like the tailor made legs for me. Oh, awesome. um, yeah, it just it just worked out so beautifully. So um, it, and what what runner were you? What number? Well, so because of 11, I, I it kind of changes. So I was number oh. six uh-huh. uh, in the first van. Uh-huh. So I was I, I was last in the first van. And then I also ran the very last leg. Oh, so, um, so count up by 14, like by 11 for each mm-hmm. leg, right? Those are the legs I ran. So Oh, oh, right. I get. Oh, right. So you didn't have. So you're saying you didn't have somebody fill in. You didn't have always have someone run the role of 12 so that you were six. um, Right. It was a lot of logistics. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my friends worked it all out, did did all the math. And so we we had we van hopped. So like at the end of our first leg, our um, first runner hopped into this into van, too. So so those of us who ran four legs had to give up a rest cycle each of us yeah, along yeah. the way yeah, yeah. so um so it was, and, but I think that made it more fun too was because we got to experience life in the other van too you know so yeah that is the th- that is the thing about relays is that you're like oh yeah you're my teammate but I didn't see you the entire time right right <laughs> yeah so yeah. I recommend doing it this way I do <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> obviously your sleep deprivation due to your kids is affecting your judgment yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your training because I know you are now at the taper point. Yes, coach. Oh my goodness. Well, I tell you, it, I mean, I'm not sucking up to you because you're the coach of this plan and, <laughs> and because I have a vested interest in the train like a mother club. The, the crush the distance plan is so good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. It is. I, I just feel phenomenal phenomenal and i mean so so the um this was the third of 20 or longer runs 20 miles or longer and i had screwed up on the second one and so that i ran that one i ended up running 20.6 because i turned off my gps and forgot to turn it back on for quite a while okay and and i knew i could stop earlier because it definitely it was i was on a um paved trail at that point that was marked and so i definitely knew at least i'd run half a mile too far and um but i was like no no no! i need it to turn green in the you know strava or whatever and <laughs> or you know training peaks and i was like oh so i at the time i told myself you know oh you can stop early and the other little voice in my head is like yeah bullshit you're not gonna stop early, Sarah. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that sarah if it gets you through the miles um, so so i knew i'd already done that and then so this time it was you know do 20 or 21 I knew that I was going to do 21. There was no way that I was going to stop at 20. So um, I did a route that I know is 20. And so I added on some distance kind of in the before I got too close to home because I I wanted to be pretty much 21 would be when I got home. I didn't want to like overshoot my house by a couple blocks and then go back because that would be far too tempting. Yeah. So and there was and it was just straight up vanilla miles like you didn't have to do any race pace or anything like that. But I also knew before I even started, I thought, yeah, if I'm feeling even anywhere good, I'm going to do the last one or two at race pace. And um, I did mile, um, the second to last, the penultimate mile, I did uh, about 12 seconds over race pace. And then I did the final mile, thanks to Taylor Swift in my ears. I did, because that's my secret weapon, is I listen to Taylor Swift at the end of my long runs, because... Say what you will about Taylor Swift. I love her with all my heart. And I think she is a role model. And I think she's an amazing yeah. musician. And so. Yeah, yeah. No, I concur with that. That's okay. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. I know, I know there's, 
you know, haters going to hate, hate, hate. Right. But right. <laughs> um, so I ran the final mile um, about 20 seconds faster than race pace. Wow. That's and, awesome. And I felt so good. I felt so good. That's like excellent. my quads have never felt sore during the training. Like, sure, I get... I get stiff if I sit for too long and my stride is very hinky. Like if I, I don't know, you know, like we, after 15, running 15, we drove three hours. And when we stopped to, you know, get Subway sandwiches, I certainly was limping, but yeah. that was just because I was trying to get, get the fluid moving through my joints right. again. Right. Um, but other than, I mean, I just, oh gosh, I just felt so elated at the end. That's um, so great. And I yeah. love that you felt good all the way throughout. So that's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, I had one bad run, but um, I don't know. That was due to a variety of factors. But also, I mean, we have great running weather out here. And and yes, I did put in the miles last week when the air quality told me not to go out. Yeah. But um, I felt fine. And then the air had cleared up significantly. It was, the the, the sky was somewhat blue on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it was just great. And I am just so excited for Twin Cities. And I have rarely been excited to run the marathon. And I almost think this might be one of the, this is definitely by far one of the few times I've been excited to run the actual race. That's so, so great. So I thank you. To, uh, can't wait yeah. to be out there and cheer you on. I know you're, well, that, it was funny because I, you know, I totally know that Dimity will be there, right? Like, like that's when I envision it. I, you know, Dimity is an an amazing cheerleader so um on for on a race course and so i knew that and then suddenly i'm like wait mk and amanda are gonna be there yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be loud <laughs> i know i know I'm gonna... <laughs> thankfully i'll be wearing my aftershock so my ears will be clear i will be able to hear you <laughs> while i still hear my music oh. that's right <laughs> <laughs> um yeah 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 so it's going to um it's going to be great. And I, oh my gosh, so many, I've, you know, on Twitter and Instagram, all this stuff, people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be such a party. Um, it's fantastic. It's going to be great. It's yes. going to be great. Yes. Yeah. So this episode is mighty groovy. It's the culmination of our back in the groove week on another mother runner website. So we decided to have guests as the four real life mother runners we profiled on the site. One mother runner is finding her groove after a move. Another is dealing with a serious health problem. Another had surgery. And the final one is coming back after having baby number two. Amanda and I will chat with each of the four ladies after this brief break. Stay with us. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, first up is Maggie Palmer. She is a mother of three. Until early August, she and her family lived here in Portland, Oregon, and then they moved to St. Martin due to her husband getting his dream job at a medical school. Um, St. Martin, does it sound familiar to you folks? Um, As you know, Hurricane Irma happened, decimating the island. Maggie and her three kids were evacuated after the storm, eventually now landing in Chicago. Maggie will offer some advice about running in the midst of a move, but first we just have to hear a firsthand account of Hurricane Irma in the Caribbean and... Um, 
I just, on a personal and professional note, Maggie, it is so wonderful to hear your voice and to know that you and your entire family are all right. Thank you. Yeah, most of us made it back. Um, we did lose one family member, which was our cat. Um, they put the animals on a boat, and it was five hours on really choppy water, and um, unfortunately, my my sweet kitty didn't make it, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm so oh. sorry. Awful. And also, it was a fishing boat, right? So, I mean, that sort of sounds like it would be a cat's most delighted dream mm. so i mean maybe simon went out you know um on a high maybe <laughs> i hope so yeah i i'm just i'm glad you know everyone within our organization is back and they're safe and they're um getting counseling you know they've lost everything and obviously the people on the island have lost even more than we have you know mm-hmm. we, were, we were able to come back and we had a military escort and people have been amazing to us but you know we're living in a hotel we don't know where we'll end up we did lose all of our belongings but you know we're all here and we're safe and you know that's all that matters so i thought that um some of your stuff i thought some of it a lot of it was still in transit is that accurate or no some of it is in transit we heard that um i don't know it kind of got caught up in jose hurricane Mm -hmm. jose um the one that followed irma Mm -hmm. we so we don't know Mm -hmm. it what happened to it where it is you know it's like stuff just doesn't matter Mm -hmm. at this point you know that's how you just get to that point where stuff is stuff and i've always had empathy for refugees obviously i didn't need to go through something to Mm -hmm. be like oh gosh that must be terrible Uh, but we're really lucky because a lot of the uh, people from other countries it took forever to get out and you know the united states air force came in with c-130s and they were great with the kids mm. and kids just think it's been one big adventure oh my so gosh wow yeah because because yeah. your kids tell tell folks how old your kids are yeah so i have a, a three-year-old a five-year-old and a nine-year-old mm-hmm. yeah so, I so guess in some ways that's, that's really a blessing because they don't have an appreciation for how how bad it really is right they don't and you know they've always you know i think been uh, pretty selfless kids and they don't ask for a lot of stuff that's never been our thing is stuff and even um, in Puerto Rico this little girl came up to my daughter and gave her her teddy bear mm. and I looked at this little girl and I knew she didn't have much either and you know I the blessing for all of this and the silver lining is that my kids you know my son said he wants to be an army officer now after seeing how the army handled the evacuation and how great they were with everyone. My daughter wants to be a doctor, mm. but she's always said, but especially seeing the doctors um, treating people, you know, they saw a lot of injured people and um, people on the tarmac who had, some people got run over by other people trying to oh. get to the planes. And, you know, there's there's a bit of chaos and um, my kids stayed really calm. So I think that's somewhere back in their subconscious, you know, and now they want to help, which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. So um, so you're now in Chicago and your husband, Ryan, he showed up, was it yesterday? He just got in last night. Um, mm-hmm. He stayed until the very end. He made sure all of the students, there were 500 students on the campus uh, and there were 86 pets and he made sure um, the students and the pets got off 
the island and to safety. They took a, a boat to St. Kitts and then they took a flight last night to Chicago. So they're all here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's accounted for. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so wonderful. I was reading on your Facebook page how he waited for the women and children to evacuate. And I mean, you hear words like women and children first, and you think it's like from a, you know, I don't know, 1940s black and white film. And, and to think that, you know, that actually is really what some people do in, in, uh, you know, um, a tragedy such as this, or, you know, uh, and so I don't know, it just kind of um, gave me pause and, and it made me feel good about society as it is in the 21st century that that type of attitude still exists. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I saw a few people that, you know, brings out, I think, your true character. But for the most part, I saw 95% of people being heroes, helping each other, you know, passing water around, um, pooling all of their resources and their food, and everyone was great. And, you know, it was like Titanic, like women and children first, but you looked at these kids and they really needed to be with their moms. And I know mm-hmm. most of our audience is moms. Mm-hmm. And there, I don't know. I mean, you know, of course, dads are super important, but there was something really comforting about uh, being on that plane with women. And we all took care of each other's kids. I mean, I only knew these people for like, you know, a week. And at the end, we're saying, I love you. And we're disciplining each other's kids and we're <laughs> hugging each other's kids. And it, it's just everything good about humanity that I saw during all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, um, maybe it seems a little, is it a little crass for us to um, ask about um, your, um, your, like, I don't know, finding your groove before the move that um, if we can kind of dial back from the, from the, um, destruction and devastation that you've seen let's i was struck when you wrote on our website about um how you really lost your groove from running before the move and that you know it was it was thinking about oh what will we do where will we move how should i move my family to a caribbean island you know that sort of thing that um you know and there you were you know getting rid of your flock of backyard chickens and you know <laughs> selling so you had it seemed like you had a continual garage sale day after day after day uh, oh gosh, yeah. yeah so um talk to us about how the disruptive nature of a move isn't just the packing boxes and getting unpacking boxes and getting settled part yeah for me it was mental and i'm one of those people that if I go out and run, you know, for two hours, all I do is think about what other things I should actually be doing. Like, I just make this mental list for the first couple of miles about you should be doing laundry, you should, you know, be doing your work, you should mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, be researching schools in St. Martin where the kids mm-hmm. are going to go. You should mm-hmm. be packing, you should be hosting a garage sale. So that just getting over that mental block and realizing that after the runs, I actually felt calmer and it helped with my stress. Otherwise, I'd just be sitting at my computer for two hours stressing, Mm -hmm. so why not go run? And so what I did was I signed up for a bunch of half marathons, and then that made me like, you know, you want to be out there walking while the people are cheering you on, because I hate, you know, like people are watching, they're holding signs like, you're so amazing, and you're walking, so you're like, all right, I got to train. And so I did like three half marathons since April, during this whole process wow. just to keep me like focused on running uh-huh. um, because it's like you just feel better after a run. Everything mm-hmm. is calmer. Everything is clearer. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have some really great points before Irma um, <laughs> about how I was finding my groove in St. Martin. And <laughs> I had three really great bullet points and I can still share them for any other expats. <laughs> they just really completely come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, this might be a little bit premature, but as you're staring down another move, um, and hopefully this one will be a little bit more permanent, um, what steps are you going to take to get back into a running routine? I don't know if you've had a chance to give it any thought. Well, you know, I'm I'm just being really patient with myself. Like yesterday, well, you know, we're staying at these hotels. They're really nice. I'm wearing like a, you know, Hard Rock Cafe shirt that somebody in Puerto Rico gave me. I'm wearing the same pants I wore since last Tuesday, and I've been hand washing them in the sink. Um, you know, I've got big circles under my eyes. I haven't slept. Uh, I'm just trying to focus on the kids, and then hearing about my cat really sent me into a tailspin mm-hmm. because I had, you know, had him for 12 years, um, and I wasn't mm-hmm. with him. And there's all the guilt of like, you know, survivor guilt. I guess like I had him in my hands on the tarmac, and then the Air Force said no pets on the plane. So I handed him back to a student that was going back to AUC with all of our bags that we were told we couldn't bring. And there was that moment where I was like, I should have just kept him. And I got on the plane and I saw a bunch of tourists with their little dogs. And I was so (laughs) upset, Mm. you know, but I was like, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And, you know, he wasn't. So, um, you know, just kind of... Uh, working through all of that and people are saying do you want to talk to a counselor and I'm like I just want to go for a run can somebody go buy me some running shoes because <laughs> that's my therapy yeah. and I there's all these women at the hotel who look fabulous and this morning I saw a group of them with their running gear on and you know I'm just standing there in my flip flops and my week old pants and my hard rock cafe shirt like I just I'll go for a run in my flip flops <laughs> I just need to get that have that feeling and that sense of freedom you know, I've been so cooped up too. Everywhere we go is very tight, and my mm-hmm. kids are hanging on me, and I'm sleeping with like all three of them on top of me because they don't want to be apart. Yeah. They're you know terrified. So there was so much confusion, and at one point, my three-year-old got separated. And, <gasps> uh, uh, yeah, I had to like run back. And all the tourists, some of the tourists were like, "Why? Why are the? Why only women and children? You know, it's like Titanic. Like people." <laughs> This guy like kind of grabbed my kid, like, "Oh, I'll help you," and I'm like, "No, this is like Titanic. You're gonna pretend like my kid is yours." <laughs> God. <laughs> Remember when he gets in the boat with the little girl, and he's, oh, anyways. Um, <laughs> Something tells me you're not going to watch Titanic again anytime <laughs> soon, Maggie. <laughs> well, they told us what they, they're like giving us options for movies on the plane, and we're just like, uh, so we picked The Sword in the Stone because I'm like, that has absolutely nothing to do with the natural disaster. I don't think so. So, <laughs> yes, that one. They're like, don't play Titanic or The Perfect Storm. Or, right. I don't know. One where Bill Paxton is like chasing tornadoes. I'm like, none of those. <laughs> right, right. No <laughs> Helen Hunt and cows flying through the air please no <laughs> right they shelter under like the tunnel <laughs> like no. the cow goes flying by right. um, yeah no I mean we had this huge marble table in our kitchen I mean was, everything was gone I don't know how that got sucked out the window but it did and uh, oh my gosh everything was very heavy objects I mean they're saying Irma set a world record you mm-hmm. know so that was my that's my claim to fame for my first and hopefully only hurricane experience. Because also you all were, I thought you all were in a building that was um, built by the university to withstand a class five storm. 
We did. So we were in our hotel, our landlord lived, or our apartment, our landlord mm-hmm. lived below us. And he's all, oh, I got new hurricane shutters. We're all set. And we just kept watching the radar that morning. Um, and we were watching the radar just like, this thing looks huge. And it looks like it's the eye of the storm is coming right over St. Martin. My husband and I kept saying that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, the university said, you're, you're all welcome to come shelter here. And we just packed up everything we could, jumped in the car, um, rest in peace, Sienna minivan, oh. died in the storm. <laughs> and I watched it get smashed with a pole from the window. And yeah, and we went to the university and, and thank goodness we did because everyone in my building at my apartment survived, but they everything was gone. The hurricane shutters ripped off within wow. the first couple of hours of the storm. Wow. Wow, wow, Everything wow. was sucked out of the rooms, the bed, the TVs were in the pool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, uh, an atomic bomb went off. That's the only way I could describe it. No leaves on the trees. Wow. 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 Yeah. So I had just joined a running club. That was my second point. <laughs> yes. uh, so point number one was be patient with yourself <laughs> and uh, finding a routine. And, and point number two was find a group. So I had just joined a running club. And they ran um, every Wednesday. They met down at the little surf shop and they ran along um, the beach and then they ran across the big bridge. There's a big bridge in St. Martin that goes across the lagoon. And it's about um, a mile out and a a mile back. So it would be kind of a four mile loop Uh at the end of the day. And so I started, you know, I I went on two runs with that group before everything happened. Uh Um, And they were telling me about a relay race. Uh, You race. So St. Martin is one side is French, one side is Dutch. And so you race on from the Dutch side to the French side, because they say that these soldiers, one, one French and one Dutch started on each side. Uh And then uh, they walked around and wherever they stopped was the part that the French owned and the Dutch owned. And they say the Dutch guy got drunk and fell asleep. So that's why they own less (laughs) of the island. (laughs) So it's called the race around the island and it's a relay and everybody runs like a, a two mile uh, loop and then you hand off a baton and you know keep going so they had asked me to be on their team and um, that was that made me feel good I finally found kind of a new tribe mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's yeah. what I would suggest you know to expats is there's so many running groups that you can get involved with yeah. right. even on St. Martin St. Martin's like you know a very small island <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly so Maggie, uh, I'm assuming you're taking life one day at a time right now, as as you should. Um, but any long term athletic goals? You know, I have never run a full marathon. So Sarah, you're my hero. I don't know oh, how you keep stop. doing all these marathons, <laughs> but because <laughs> I get to like mile ten of a half marathon, and I'm like, just kill me now. Like the only yeah. reason I'm still going again, the people with the signs, and you feel like you have to finish. Um, but. I would like to do a full marathon and um, I know it's kind of mind over matter and just finding the time to train. So now that my son's three, I feel like I can start focusing on that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, talk about heroes. I mean, Maggie, I mean, the, your, your wonderful sense of humor is intact after what you've been through. Um, I, I know that you are just such a great mom and I see the pictures of you in Chicago with your kids and they look like they, they are on vacation. They look, that's the looks on their faces show that they came through this unscathed and with, with positive 
you know, things that, ha- you know, that they, that they now more inclined to be a doctor or want to be in the military, whatever. I mean, so it sounds like because of your leadership and strength that your kids were able to come through this, um, you know, almost better for it. So, so you're the hero here. Absolutely. Yeah. Best of luck to you. I'm, I'll be thinking about you. It just, I, I can't even imagine uh, everything right now that you have to deal with and think about and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, so I know we're all thinking about you, Maggie, and um, uh, take good care, and, and we will, uh, I, th- I guess, be keeping people updated probably with your occasional blog posts on our website, so um, they can follow along there. So um, take care and give, give your kids hugs for us. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. All right, next up, we are welcoming Jen Rucker. This mother of one lives with her family in Rockville, Maryland. She's a teacher. We are talking to her at school, um, and there is a kind of connection problem, so it's just going to be me talking. Amanda will be back to interview um, our last guest or two. So, and, but Jen had back surgery this spring. So, and um, I know Jen well, so hello, Jen. It's nice to hear your voice. Good to be here. Thank you. So uh, give us a quick rundown of yourself as a runner pre-surgery, like when you got started, your weekly mileage. Sure. I started running in 2009. My son was two years old, and I just needed to exercise that time for myself. Um, I caught the bug very quickly. Um, 2010, I did my first marathon Mm -hmm. and caught the marathon bug and did 12 marathons from 2010 until the surgery back in June. Man. And we, we, yeah, weekly mileage, I never really kept track of numbers. Like, I always had my weekday run. I knew what that had to be six miles or eight miles. But I just was always in some kind of training cycle. So I always trained for a fall marathon or two, and I always did a spring half or two. Uh-huh. And I would just take a month off in between each training cycle to just, like, run for fun, not track anything, uh-huh. not worry about it. Yep. So I just did that season after season after season. <laughs> And you're young, so you. T- yeah, <laughs> so, I'm feeling it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so before we get to that, but um, so I know you're an avid leader of training groups for the Marine Corps Marathon, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in nearby Washington D.C. Um, so um, has that made your time off even tougher because it's not just that you're missing your own runs, but but being a part of group runs and and if you hadn't thought of that maybe now you are but <laughs> oh no that was the first thing I thought of when all this went down Aww. um I we started our training group in the beginning of May and the first run I couldn't even keep up with my pace group because the pain was so bad mm. so I dropped back uh two minutes slower per mile ran with them for a few weeks and then just everything blew up from there and that has been the hardest part because I've been with that group since 2010 when I started training for marathons Mm-hmm. And they have been such a part of my May through October. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, my closest friends have come from since then. And I just miss that. Mm-hmm. Like, I miss running with them on Wednesdays at track and Sunday mornings for our long runs. And so I tried to, like, volunteer at water stops to see them or just hang out with them on the weekends. But it's just not the same as being there on the trails with them. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely been the hardest part. It's like, you just miss it. You miss that connection. You miss that discussion. Mm-hmm. You just miss that camaraderie. Or now when I run a mile or two, I'm just by myself. I don't have anyone to talk to. So I'm very much a fan of the group run. So yeah. this has been a big transition. Yeah. Yeah. You you often, when I see you out at uh, Zuma Annapolis or other times, I, just hearing you talk about the runs that you take in our nation's capital 
just sounds so beautiful and you know oh yeah just kind of epic yeah we're so lucky with all the rail trail systems we have and running around the capital and almost any given sunday in the summer we're in dc so we run the monuments or we run haynes point or we run run around the capital where we run, like, one of our epic runs is Silver Spring to Alexandria in Virginia. Uh-huh. So we run through, like, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. So wow. all that I'm missing. And I see it all on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not there with them right now. Yeah, yeah. So so describe, we, we, I've completely skipped over your surgery. So tell us what, what it was that was wrong with your back and then what your surgery was, please. So I had a herniated disc that was pressing on my motor nerve. But it presented as a hamstring for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So when I heard it in December, it was classic pulled hamstring issues. And my doctor called it that day. Mm. He said, I think this might be a disc. Wow. He's like, but I didn't have the typical disc symptoms. He's like, so let's treat it as a hamstring for now. Oh, boy. And then I never went back to him after that, <laughs> after I started treating it as a hamstring. So it's kind of my fault. Um, so, you know, I did PT and all of that. And then... I limped from December till May, and I thought it was just my calf strength was off, so I was strengthening, 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 and then I ran the book in half, and I was just in tears from the pain in my knee, so that's when I decided to go back, and he told me um, with the MRI results that I had compression stress fractures in my knee from running off gate for so long, and then so I was like, well, I was like, I can't get my heel off the ground either, and so like, I just can't stand flat-footed and lift my heel off the ground at all. Uh-huh. And he's like, that's your back. So another MRI, and that's when it confirmed it was the herniated disc pressing on the motor nerve. So they're like, you could have done calf raises the rest of your life, and you never would have fixed that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah. So I remember you telling me um, that it, then it sort of worked out well, and you were trying to see a, a silver lining, that you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have the back surgery, and while... I have time off for my back surgery, then the the stress fractures or whatever, the little fractures in your knee will heal up. So you're mm-hmm. kind of a, it's kind of a two for recovery period. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when I was able to start running again, it was as if I never had those little compression stress fractures in my knee. Those are definitely gone. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. So how much time off did you, how, mu- how much non-running time was there after the surgery? Uh, not a whole lot. I was able to ride the bike in, you know, 12 days. I was able to start running six, well, run walking six weeks after surgery. So I tried, but I could feel I wasn't ready. Like I knew. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did a few run walks and it just didn't feel good. And then we actually went to Acadia for the week Mm -hmm. and there wasn't a good safe place to run. So that just gave me another week off. Mm-hmm. So I took an extra two weeks off. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back to the end of August, I was able to start again. And it actually feels good now. Well, I think that's an important lesson that it, um, I don't think you talked about in the, the blog post, which is to listen to your body. And that even if the yeah. calendar says, oh, you can get back at it, you know, maybe it's maybe you should listen to the signals and and make that based, you know, that decision then based on what your body's telling you. Right, and that's like what I've been trying to focus on. Like, I don't have anything on the calendar. I have, I have nothing that I'm training for. I just want to get myself to a place where I'm running comfortably and can continue running for as long as I can. And mm-hmm. if that takes longer because I could take weeks off, then so be it. Mm-hmm. So that was a conscious decision on your part then to not put any pressure with a with a race deadline or anything like that, right? Yes, and it was the first time since I started running I don't have something on the calendar. So for me being such a planner, I'm like, 
it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> not, they have nothing to look forward to. Right. It's like <laughs> it's uh, crossing a high wire without a net. Whoa, this feels kind of <laughs> crazy here, riding without a seatbelt on a freeway, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> um, so in the Q&A on our website, I really loved how you talked about the feelings you had during your struggle with your injury, both pre- and post-surgery. You wrote, the hardest part of this has been figuring out what my true feelings are versus what I've convinced myself to believe are my feelings. And first of all, I thought that was very almost Zen Buddhist-like. I thought that was very profound. Um, but but elaborate on that thought for us, please. Okay, so that I mean, there's so many different feelings you feel. Like, and I think I mentioned that. Like, I was actually excited to have the surgery because I knew like this was most likely going to fix something and bring me back to what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And just given the summer and like not seeing my group or seeing my group running, I was really just thinking, okay, like, it's no big deal. I still talk to them. We still meet up on Saturdays sometimes. Like, this is not a big deal. Like, I do like biking. I like running. Mm-hmm. And I just convinced myself, like, it's fine. Like, there's so many other things I can do and just still do them with these people because they're all very active. Mm-hmm. And I'll be okay. Like, it's more time at home, more time with my family. We have so many great hikes we could do. Mm-hmm. So I was really in a good place about it until I ran a mile nonstop and I was like, wait, no, this is what I love to do. Like, (laughs) this feels so good. I was like, I really do want to get back to this. Like, I can't wait to be with my friends again and just run and and struggle through, like, marathon pace miles. And I want that challenge again. But but I sort of... I had it. I sort of think, though, those are the lies that we tell ourselves so that we can get through stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so too. You know, and and um, this is not on the same level at all. But um, when when I was pregnant with Phoebe, we uh, my first child, we opted not to find out the gender of the baby, and uh, my husband really wanted a boy, really, really, really wanted a boy, and I wanted a girl. And when we, you know, and out popped Phoebe, a girl, and honestly, within the first five minutes in the delivery room I turned to Jack and I said remember when I said that you wanted a boy more than I wanted a girl well I was lying because <laughs> then I was like oh, I was just flooded with relief we got a girl <laughs> of course now that she's a teenager I'm like oh why did I want a girl <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast but but anyway no I just think I think in situations you know, we we have to do a con job on ourselves to get to get through things. But I think it is important right. ultimately to to you know maybe be with yourself and be quiet with yourself and hear what it is you really are thinking. Um, so, boy, I'm getting mighty mighty flaky. I must be on the West Coast. <laughs> um, okay, so what? So how's your comeback going? which is kind of a funny sentence structure. And um, uh, what are you doing to f- refine your groove? It's it's going well. I mean, the hardest part now is the comeback is aligned with the start of the school year and I have a new job. Uh-huh. So it's just like a whole nother level of balancing that I'm trying to do um, mm-hmm. just because I'm working a lot more, just bringing more work home. Mm-hmm. But I'm also recognizing that, yeah, just, I ran two miles the other day for the first time since Woo-hoo! the Brooklyn half, Woo-hoo! and it felt so good. I was like, this, because all through all this, I've had no stress relief. Mm, yeah. So, wrapping up last school year, I was hurt and couldn't do anything. So, it's been great because I will force myself to get out there. Because even tonight, I'm like, it's like 
22 minutes. I could do 22 minutes mm-hmm. and I'll feel better and I can, I'll be recharged when it's time to do things. So it's been going well. Um, the toughest part too is my neighborhood's pretty hilly mm-hmm. and okay. that doesn't feel great on my back. Uh-huh. So we do have a treadmill. So I've been doing like one run inside, one run outside. Oh, Cause I really smart. don't love the treadmill, but I just, I recognize that I need some flat for a while too. Well, see, again, that's that's, that's brilliant and insightful into your own situation, you know, that, that, again, listening to your body and realizing as much as you, I'm sure you want to be out there, you know, it's starting to be a glorious time of year out there on the, mm-hmm. um, in the mid-Atlantic, and um, that, you know, but, but you were like, okay, uh, at, least, at least you get to run, so <laughs> you can't, you can't right. gripe too much about the treadmill. <laughs> like, this is us is coming back soon, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Watch> yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so for runners possibly facing a layoff from surgery, what piece of, of advice do you have for them? Anything from scheduling it to mental advice, like we've been talking about a little bit? Uh, I would say be kind to yourself. I know I was really hard on myself because... I went from being incredibly active to not active at all. And it's amazing how fast you just feel that. Mm -hmm. And I just had to keep telling myself like, this is just temporary. Mm -hmm. So that's more of the post-surgery advice. The pre-surgery advice, that's, I just got thrown right into the surgery because they told me you'd normally wait three months to see if you heal, but I was already past that. Yeah. So I scheduled it that day. That I, found out <laughs> I remember you it. telling me that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I told my husband and then I told you and Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> the other Phoebe, not my, oh, thank goodness she's right. a girl, Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> and Zuma, yeah. You know, joking about that on Facebook last night. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm having surgery, so here are all my feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like having another mother runner to overshare with because they totally get it. <laughs> right. yeah. So definitely just be kind to yourself because it it is a range of emotions. It is a range of feelings. And mm-hmm. just like you said, apparently my advice that I didn't even realize is just listen to your body too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Well, I know you will be back at it, and I know your group will also be so glad to have you around next summer. So um, thanks for taking time out of your work day to talk to us, Jen. Thank you. It was fun. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. And for our next guest, it's going to be just me talking again because of further technical difficulties. So just rolling with all of this. So I want to welcome Arielle Garl. She's the mom of two school-age kids, lives in Clemens, North Carolina, Arielle is a nurse anesthetist, and she's been battling severe asthma and collateral health issues for the last two years. Um, So welcome, Arielle. It's good to talk to you. It's been too long. You are also an alumna of the first AMR retreat. Um, Talk to um, Thurlene. So... um, when, when you and I met, you were going gonzo for a Boston qualifying marathon time. and um, But you have had, is an understatement to say you've had a rough go of it health-wise since then. So, um, but can you start by telling us about yourself as a runner before developing asthma? Yeah, absolutely. And it's wonderful to talk to you as well. Oh, um, I started running seven years ago, actually as a gift to my um, soon-to-be three-year-old son. I had been heavy most of my life, started gaining weight when uh, I was about three. And at that point in my life, when I started running, I was just over 100 pounds overweight. And 
I wanted to give him the gift of growing up without a weight problem. Mm-hmm. And I knew the best thing I could do to ensure that was to change my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I started running and went to Weight Watchers and along the way had another kid, but ended up losing those 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Went on to do multiple half marathons, uh, three full marathons, some triathlons, and a half Ironman. Wow. And at the point that I got sick, I was at the leanest, fastest, strongest I had ever been, and short of the wheels falling off the bus in my race, Boston was kind of in the bag. Yeah, I know. I remember that so distinctly. Oh, so um, I know your medical situation is complicated, but, but take us through to where you currently are. Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, kind of out of the blue for reasons we can't understand, I developed this very severe asthma that um, was essentially refractory to any treatment. And I ended up having a series of surgeries last summer in which they um, burned out some of the muscle in my lungs Mm. uh, with radio waves in an attempt to gain control because I was so sick and on and off the ventilator and nothing you could do could keep me under control. Um, And that was very successful. It is not intended to be a cure, Mm. but to decrease both the frequency and duration um, Mm -hmm. and uh, the intensity of the attacks that I have. And that was great. Unfortunately, I suffered a fair amount of collateral damage as we call it from that. Um, At this point in time, I still have asthma, Mm -hmm. but it is much better under control. I sometimes go a few weeks without having really any significant symptoms. Mm -hmm. More often, I am kind of moderately flared up, but um, it's manageable. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I still sometimes end up in the ICU uh, Mm. for asthma exacerbations, uh, end up on the ventilator. Um, But things are markedly improved. Um, I am still dealing somewhat with the collateral damage. I had a pretty significant neurologic insult, which is a fancy way of saying we don't really know what happened to my brain Mm. after the third procedure. I was left blind in one eye temporarily and couldn't move my left side at all. Um, The vision restored very quickly. Mm. My left side has been slower to come back, uh, but a year after, I almost don't notice my left leg really just with strength training uh, is when I know it's weak or towards the end of my long runs I start getting fatigued and my running buddies can hear it in my gait and they'll mention it to me Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a tremor in my left hand that will probably be there forever but all Mm -hmm. in all I've been very fortunate. Wow wow so so I'm it it heartens me greatly to hear you describe long runs I mean what is your running like these days? Well so I you know, still dream of Boston. And every time in the last two years I have tried to lay that dream down, I can't. Mm. It eats at me. Um, And so my long range goal is still Boston. uh, I have a wonderful coach who has been by my side through all of this and at times gives me a plan just day by day if I am really struggling. Mm -hmm. And I have picked out a Boston qualifying race for fall of 2018 because I will get the age bump for Boston for 2020. We like that. We uh, got to work the numbers. Yep. Uh Yep. Yep. Um, But at this point in time, I am focusing all of my energy there and on getting faster. So I have several half marathons um, that I've picked out between now and next May. Uh, This Saturday, I'll run 12 miles. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm still doing speed work and strength training. I'm swimming and biking um, as well. 
So, wow. And and I mean, what what do you attribute? Because in reading your post or reading the rough draft of it, I got to see a sneak peek of it. Um, like th- this is all much better news than I thought based on what I read and that I realize it is um, not at all what you envision being at and that you've had a very rough road to get here, but it sounds like you've made just amazing recovery given all the, the speed bumps that were in your way. I mean, yeah. Um, what do you attribute that to? I mean, what, what do you feel has been the things that you've done to get you here where you are doing 12 miles this weekend? You know, I think my, lung doctor who is wonderful and is as much a friend as anything else at this point mm-hmm. tells me that I fall hard but I bounce well <laughs> and probably because I am in phenomenal shape every time it happens mm-hmm. and so she has been the biggest supporter uh, of me continuing to run and that I think has made a phenomenal difference in me I went in in really great shape and as soon as I am kind of cleared to run again I go out and sometimes that means I run a half a mile and I walk for three miles and then the next day I try a little harder mm-hmm. uh, I also have an amazing support system in my family the medical community my uh, running buddies here and also the bammers that I met in Little Rock have continued to rally around me through the last two years And when I want to quit and I just want to pull the covers over my head and forget it all, uh, I know that they're there for me and it's a safe place to land when things get hard. And I also just kind of refuse to quit. I just (laughs) dig in and decide that that I'll never get to where I want to be if I give up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have, it's been um, so um like just heartwarming to see that that you know when you all have the people from the first retreat have met up at various races or um events and just i mean you can feel the love coming out of those pictures of you all it's just it's really wonderful to see and and um so it's so nice to know that uh, we know mother runners are a supportive group but to actually see it in in action as it is with your case it's just really wonderful the most beautiful story I have actually came from last year before I had my lungs ablated. I had picked a race that was going to be my Boston qualifying race last May of 2016. And as I got sicker and ended up on the ventilator, I think mm-hmm. three times between that race uh, or before that race occurred, it became clear that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and then we decided to do the ablation and no one could tell me if I was going to be able to run again or be active after this. Wow. And so I continued to train through it and Natalie and Heidi, who were both part of that original retreat group mm-hmm. with less than two weeks notice, um, independently decided that they needed to be there. Natalie lived there, but she was training for the half, mm-hmm. and she switched to the full marathon wow. with 10 days' notice and oh. ran the entire thing because she wanted someone on the course behind me to make sure I was okay. So she would run by every medical tent and take a quick look and then keep going. Oh, my gosh. And Heidi took a red eye from Seattle mm-hmm. and the day before the race and flew in and met me at mile 20 because mm-hmm. she wanted to make sure I was going to finish. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That is just really, I mean, and I can just see Natalie with that big, beautiful smile of hers. And yeah, she just, oh, I mean, it really just shows that so many people have a heart of gold and to be able to, to find that in people is, is wonderful. So, so, 
Um, I really admire how candid you were in the Q&A on our blog, especially how you allow yourself to feel and express intense emotions about your situation. Can you, I, I find the, your way of dealing with it um, without sounding trite, I, I find it very clever. Um, could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I go through periods and certainly in the beginning I thought nothing would change and I would just run through this and life would be normal and while that didn't happen over time. Mm-hmm. And I got to a place in which actually it was my therapist who suggested that instead of just bottling all these emotions up and having them kind of leak out through the day, mm-hmm. to set a timer for 15 minutes when I have setbacks, when I end up in uh, the ICU again, or when I have to cancel a race, or any of the other challenges that come. And I spend those 15 minutes really allowing myself to live in that place of sorrow Mm -hmm. and grief and heartache and feel those emotions and cry my eyes out. Mm -hmm. But when the timer's up, then I pick myself up and I dry my eyes and I choose to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I also choose to find the good in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's been very important. I started a gratitude journal, mm-hmm. and I write five things at least very specific to that day that mm-hmm. I can find to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. And as much as I am able, I have continued that even in the ICU and sometimes on the ventilator. Wow. Because otherwise wow. it consumes the, the darkness of this disease, the uncertainty, mm-hmm. what is taken from me and my family and the fear of not being there to see my kids grow up mm-hmm. can become overwhelming mm-hmm. if I don't choose to find the good in each day. Mm. Mm. Wow, I just really admire that so much. And Oh, wow, I, I'm, I'm truly at a loss for words here. Um, but I, I just, um, I, I keep going back to the word heartened. I'm really heartened by how how i mean i think almost you haven't because we're here pressed for time i think you haven't really gone into how how bad some of the the speed bumps that you hit were and that you have i mean i'm just amazed by your resiliency and and um i commend it and i'm going to be pulling for you so hard for that fall 2018 marathon because i know that that passion burns so brightly in you and you have the capability so i am just we are going to be watching and we're all going to be cheering for you well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to let you get back to your work day, but uh, take care. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Next up, we are talking to Thurlene Weston, who's the mom of two daughters who are three and a half years old and 11 months old. They live in Berwyn Heights, Maryland, not too far from where Coach Amanda is. She's a full-time grad student working on a doctorate to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Welcome, Thurlene. Thank you. It's uh, good to hear your voice. You are an alumna from our debut retreat. Um, yes. And I know you have been busy since we were in Little Rock together. Um, tell us about your second pregnancy and how it kicked your butt in terms of exercise. So, um, like I said previously in the uh, article or the website, I actually started running after the birth of my first child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I because I gained 50 pounds, you know? So I was just like, hmm, what's a quick way to lose weight? And running was the way that my husband suggested and a lot of my friends suggested. So I did not want the same thing to happen with the, the second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so I went in thinking, I'm going to move the entire pregnancy. I am not going to gain 50 pounds. Um, and cause I don't want to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went in thinking that, 
and it was hilarious because my pregnancy said, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had really bad nausea for the first um, 15 weeks and I tried to run. That wasn't happening. Um, I tried to walk. Um, I felt pain a lot. Um, and I just, I, I had no motivation to continue because I just had absolutely no energy um, and I had a lot of pain. So I stopped um, until about the second trimester and I said, okay, this is that magic trimester where mm-hmm. you can have energy and, you know, nesting and everything. And I, and I started walking again and pretty consistently mm-hmm. until I kind of hit a wall um, towards the middle or the end of the third trimester. And then I was just done like the pain went up so much more I you know I was going in and out to the doctors going like I think something's wrong and so it actually turned out that um my placenta was slowly separating oh my goodness Um, and that was a the increase in pain that I was feeling at the end of the um trimester and so they were like oh it was pretty good that you took it easy because you know heaven forbid Mm -hmm. so um and then just recovering from the second pregnancy just knocked me on my bottom and um it it just completely wiped me out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow that's tough stuff yeah (laughs) yeah so tell us about trying to return to running postpartum and how you morphed into a triathlete so i really wanted to get back into running um, and just moving around. So I waited until the six weeks and I still was having trouble recovering from the pregnancy physically. Um, And then, you know, right around the time where I felt okay, like my body felt like it could handle it, um, I just got knocked on my bottom to, sorry, I'm so used to being a mom, so I say bottom all the time. <laughs> I thought when you said it the first time, I thought, oh, she's so polite. She doesn't even say the word butt. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, it's because of my three-year-old who will repeat me and say butt, and then I'll get like an evil look from my mother. Um, but uh, I just got wiped out. Like once I was there physically, um, I got hit with postpartum depression. Um, much later than I expected that I would. I was about um, almost two and a half to three months in. Like I thought I like was free from postpartum. So yeah. I I it was it was very strange to hit it after you normally mm-hmm. um, like that first wave, which is common. Like some women get it in that first three months, and then some women can get it hit. Um, something about like six months later up, up to a year wow. um, and it was actually pretty rough um, mm-hmm. and so that motivated me to start moving because I knew that if I start running I would feel better because that's how it was before mm-hmm. um, so I started to um, do strength training and everything because I had all that pain and so I had like some abdominal issues um, uh, core issues rather Um, and so I didn't really like being in the house. I wanted to be outside. And so I started running 
first did a C25K and it was really unstructured and I was a little unmotivated um, and going through my own inner demons um, with the pregnancy or with the postpartum. So then I joined the AMR 5K group and my body couldn't handle it. It just, when I, I think I was like two or three weeks in and when it uh, progressed to a specific rate of running straight versus the run for the run walk my um lower calf down to my ankle on my left side would just start to get on fire and oh. I would come home and I would cry to my husband oh. and I was just like you know like less than like I think three months before we got pregnant I did a half marathon and I'm struggling like absolutely struggling through one and a half miles and my pace was much slower um, because I was hobbling home from my injury. And so I talked to, um, I thought about getting a coach and um, I talked to my husband about it. I'm like, I just, for some reason, I I feel like I need something a little bit more personalized mm -hmm. and someone who could work with me at the pace that I am right now. So I got a coach and I talked to her and she t asked me what my different aspirations were, like just overall, like my athlete bucket list. And I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to do a try. Um, and we have the Iron Girl Columbia every year, very close to me. And she goes, well, you know, since you're having trouble with running um, straight, why don't you try that? And I thought that that would be great. That would be fantastic. Um, uh, it was something that I talked about with my friends and my husband. And so um, in March, I decided, you know what, I'm going to train for a triathlon. I haven't ridden a bike since I was 15, and I haven't <laughs> been in the water for four years, but sure, let's do this. <laughs> oh. I didn't even have a bike. I actually had to borrow it from my cousin. I was nice. just like, okay, nice. You don't let anything stand in your way. Um, yeah, you know. So I'm so, having a difficult time. Let's make it more difficult. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so, so in your post on our blog, you talk quite glowingly about swimming. And um, as a Pisces who defines her happy place as swimming in a clear lake, I can totally relate. So um, talk about what you love about swimming and compare it to, to running and your, you know, your struggle with running. So I've always loved um, being in the water. I remember this is going to be embarrassing, but when I was really young and people would ask me why I went to be when I grew up, I said a mermaid. You know, <laughs> <because> <laughs> I had the long hair, but I just couldn't figure out the whole fin tail thing. <laughs> um, you can borrow one from your cousin. It's, it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I... There's something about being in the water. So when you run or when you're on your bike, you have the option, um, well, with technology now, I'm pretty sure you have it with swimming too. Um, you have the option to put in your headphones and kind of just zone, like just, you know, hear music, listen to a podcast, a book, something. And mm -hmm. so your brain's always paying attention to something. But mm -hmm. when I'm in the water, mm -hmm. I'll all I hear is the water and me breathing and... Mm -hmm. Just when you're swimming, unless you're like doing swim sprints, um, it's not as stressful. So it's just you getting to 
feel yourself go through the water and just focus on your breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost meditative because oh, yeah. that's it. That's mm-hmm. all you're doing. You're just mm-hmm. focusing, like you're just feeling what's happening um, around you and you're just focusing on breathing. And mm-hmm. that I just, I would always, my husband would, <laughs> is kind of embarrassing. He would kind of say like, oh, what workout do you have today? Is it a bike day? Is it a run day? Is it a, a swim day? Kind of to gauge like where I was because he knew that if I came back home from the <laughs> pool, like I would be just, you know, this like the snow white of wife. Like I would just sing and birds would just come into my hands. <laughs> we got suits and goggles. And- <laughs> so like versus if I came back from a run, not so much snow white, maybe a different um, Disney no, villain. Like- <laughs> the evil stepmother with the, uh, yeah. with the apple in her yeah. hand. Yeah. yeah. Like come here, husband, try this. <laughs> So um, it just it it just I never thought that I would need to be in the water, and that's what it turned into. Like I turned into a if I am having a really stressful day, I needed to be in the water and just because it was meditative, and that's really the best. It was my Zen moment uh-huh. of the week. Nice. You said something in your blog post about. Um, leaving behind expectations and preconceived notions for yourself. I really love this. Um, why would you advise that to, to other women who are maybe going through some tough times? Um, because the reason I kind of wish I had that at the beginning, um, because I was very like disheartening to know that all of the work that I did prior to my pregnancy was just kind of gone. Um, and just realizing that that's okay. It's, you know, we didn't run, well, I wasn't running prior for, you know, professionally or competitively. I ran to better my fitness, to better my mental health. Um, and so, and it was the journey. I, I like, I remember at um, the, even the retreat, like sharing like, oh, I did my first five mile long run I did my first 10 mile long run like you know I enjoyed every single step along the way and so I feel like if you come in with these preconceived notions you won't get to enjoy it again you don't you won't get to have that experience um and that's one of the reasons why um I feel like if you come in with a blank slate you will get to enjoy it. You will get to see yourself improve because it's just another journey. It's not the same journey that you had prior to your setback. Um, it's a new journey from, and you're you're starting at a different place. So that's that's why I think that it's important to just accept where your new baseline is. Great advice. I think that is beautiful. A new journey starting at a new place. I think that's just. That is very profound, Thurlane. So thank you for sharing that and, and your mermaid and your Snow White comment. I forgot I forgot how entertaining you are to talk to. So so thank, thank you for joining us and um, good luck hopefully with um, maybe some future triathlons. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. 
Okay, well, Amanda, put on your put on your coach hat now that we've talked to a few ladies about um, taking an extended time off or getting thrown out of your rhythm. I mean, what what advice do you give to you know to people for for refining their running groove or their athletic groove? I, I mean, as Thurlene showed, it doesn't necessarily just have to be running that you refined. Right, right. I, I think they all made such great points um, to um, to the degree about uh, talking about giving yourself some grace and. Mm-hmm. And, and just not having expectations, not, you're not going to start back in where you left off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just take that off the table and, and, you know, start anew. It's a new journey and, um, you know, take your time with it. Take your time with it. Don't try to rush things. Don't try to sign up for a race right away. Mm-hmm. Take your time, get back in your groove. And, and then you're going to know, you're going to know down the road when it's time to, you know, maybe, or if return to you know, who and, and, and what you were prior to the setback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And also I just, I was just thinking about this yesterday that, you know, here I am training for my second marathon after fracturing <laughs> my ankle in four places, you know, getting pins and plates and, and at the time the surgeon being like, yeah, I'm not sure you'll ever go back to running. Well, I was too still drugged out from the anesthesia to hear that him say that to me. So I didn't know. So, um, and, and, um, so that, you know, at the time, boy, I felt like I was going to be in that cast. Like that was my only existence. That was that it was always, I was always going to be in that cast and I was always going to be laid up. And, time passes you know it's it's whether you're you're pregnant or whether you know you're struggling with you know a divorce um is another experience on my personal landscape or you know infertility you know whatever it is that time will pass and it the reality you're in at the moment is not going to be the reality you're in forever absolutely and and running and racing is is always out there it's always out there Mm -hmm. you don't need to you know to, to panic and Mm-hmm. you know, rush back to things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of running and racing, let's hear what um, the folks in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club corner. Before we head over that way, I just wanted to say a huge, huge, you know, thanks, which doesn't even feel big enough for all the love and support and kind words I got after my post that I put up last Thursday that um, basically says I need to take a step back from running and, um, and then the podcast that followed on Friday and you guys just floored me with your email, with email and Facebook posts and tweets and other ways of getting in touch. And I just, um, I just want to say thanks. It meant a ton to me. It means a ton to me. And, um, you know, I, I just love that we all, uh, have each other's backs around here. So, Looking forward to focusing on activities and things that um, are going to be new adventures and new experiences instead of the stuff that uh, is causing me pain. So thanks for being receptive to that. Um, And speaking of things that cause pain or a lot of um, discomfort are uh, hurricanes. I know you guys have talked about some hurricanes, but we've got Valerie here um, who is in the uh, 26.2 uh, crush the distance program. It's the traditional marathon training program in the train like a mother club. She lives in Puerto Rico and she was running the Lehigh Valley marathon last week. Uh, and she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to get out, uh, to get to the, to the race. Turns out she was, and I wanted to read her race report. 
Okay, here's my race report from the Lehigh Valley Marathon last Sunday. As you know by now, nothing went as planned. Puerto Rico was hit by a Hurricane Irma last Wednesday, and we were pretty sure we were not going to be able to fly out of the island on time. With the help of a miracle travel agent, we managed to find plane tickets to Philadelphia for the day before race day. Out of the nine or ten of us who were planning to run the race, only Four of us actually made it there, but that week had been sheer madness, very stressful, and with a forced taper of zero mileage And because there was no running outside and no power for the treadmill, um, accompanied by my storm-induced binge eating. The race started at 7 on Sunday, and on Saturday at 3 p.m., my husband and I were still in San Juan. So the race started 7 a.m. on Sunday, and Saturday, 3 in the afternoon, they're still in Puerto Rico. I knew by that point I was not going to PR, but I still had no idea how tired I was until I crossed that starting line. I knew I knew I should have adjusted my race plan, but stupidly, I did not. I ran the first half too fast, and boy, did I pay the price. I will make the long story short by telling you I have never suffered so much in a race. The second half, and especially the last five miles, were absolute torture. Also, most of the race was on a gravel trail, which I didn't know beforehand. I finished on grit and willpower, and I still don't know how I did it. I was completely beat up when I was done, but so proud of not having quit. I am back home now, all sore and exhausted, but happy that we were lucky enough to get there. I hated to think about throwing out all those months of training out the window, even if my results were less than stellar. I am not disappointed, and neither is my husband, who missed his Boston qualifying by 42 seconds. So, Valerie, just wanted to um, just give you a little perspective. You sound like you have it already, but I just wanted to make sure that you know what a feat you did by running 26.2 miles after what is arguably one of the most stressful weeks of your life. Um, And I know that we are all proud of you, and we know that that BQ is coming for you when Hurricane Irma isn't coming for you. So, um, Hope the cleanup and all that is is going fairly well and um, and great job crossing the starting line and crossing the finish line. Take care, you guys, and I'll see you all next week. Bye. All right. Our Spokane party. Amanda, you will be there. Um, I know. Like one week away. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, I know. It is crazy. A week from today, I'm going to point the minivan east and, and go. Um, so we are recording next week's episode in front of a live audience. And um, Dimity, Adrian, Amanda, and I will all be on the show. Dimity has something very fun cooked up. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a fun, special format. So be sure to listen to next week's episode. Um, or better yet, see it for yourself. If you live in the Spokane or Coeur d'Alene area, please join us at the Fleet Feet Sp- Store on Thursday night, September 21st, starting at 7 p.m. Oh, and Alex will be there too, um, representing yeah. the other gender. Um, so uh, if you uh, can join us at the party and you haven't already, please RSVP on Eventbrite. I'll put a link to the Eventbrite in the podcast description, but the easiest way to find is to just Google Eventbrite, another Mother Runner podcast party. It's how I found it. (laughs) And um, everyone who attends gets a swag bag jam-packed with goodies from our partners, including Noon, Goo, Sweatex, and Belega. Join us for the fun. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy and groovy miles. 